live. Welcome everyone to Conversations with Titar and Tiffany, a black girl and a white girl talking about black girl and white girl stuff. And today we have two black girls, which makes me so happy. My dear friend, Melissa Peng, who is also an Austinite. Well, we call you an Austinite now because you have a home, you build a home. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so excited to have Melissa on because she is just amazing in so many ways. She's a marketing genius. She is an entrepreneur. Um, She's worked with a lot of big brands, but also she makes, um, so she's the the founder CEO of Curly Girl Executive. She makes these amazing uh, flowers that you can see in her hair for girls with curly hair. She also does, um, has an amazing successful business in flower arrangement. Um, and you've always, you've got so many, you've got so many things. She runs an incredible, which I go to, I haven't been to for a little while now because of COVID, but she also has a community called Ponde Beat where she brings in incredible dancers from all around the country, uh, New York, LA, like the best of the best. And she brings them to Austin and, um, she curates dance classes with them as well. So did I, did I capture everything that you do? Yes. Pretty much. We got the, we got the big, the big ones. Yeah. The big stuff. Yeah. yeah. She, and she's always doing other things. She also has three cute Bengal, three, right? Bengal cats. Three bit, three, three Bengal kittens. And I got a cute little, well, he's not little anymore, but I also have a nice little orange cat, but I'm, I'm totally about my cats and they also have their Instagram handle too. <laughs> and you have a dog, right? I do. I still have, I have one um, Pomeranian and I'm unfortunately rehoming my German shepherd today. Um, But I'm such an animal lover. So I'm, I have a zoo essentially. Yeah. So I wanted to bring Melissa on because she just reminded me of this before we jumped on, but we had a catch up call um, just post uh, everything that happened with, Tita's doing her Facebook thing, so she's with yeah, us. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> she's doing her techie tech tech. But anyway, yes. <laughs> to, to give you some background, um, Melissa and I had a connection call after George Floyd was murdered, uh, and I was up in arms because I was really like pissed off because people were just doing this black square thing, and I'd called them out on it and said, you know, you can't just do a black square and then think that you've done the right thing. You know, I basically did a uh, post saying I call BS. And Melissa was great. Um, She came to the conversation with so much reverence and she was so objective and she really got me to see a different side of things. And I literally made notes <laughs> while we talked and I was just like like telling her telling Tita and her before we jumped on this call about the notes that I made because there was so much um there were so many profound things that I really didn't want to miss anything I wanted to make sure that I really got what she was telling me and you know we talk a lot about you know you shouldn't call on your black friends to teach you and coach you and educate you and I have to say I am very lucky to have you know, sisters in my life like Melissa and like Tita that will pull me aside and say, Hey, Tiffany, maybe you should do it this way. Or have you thought about this? Like very lucky, very, very lucky and blessed that then they come on the show and say, yes, I will come on here and um, talk about it more. So with that, um, some of the things we talked about was staying in the marathon, which is one of the things she was talking to me about. And also she was telling me about how maybe I should not um, back people into a corner and shame them about not showing up I, because I was, I confess, I didn't, I didn't do it right. I was really angry. I was the angry white woman trying to make everybody wrong and, and shaming everyone. And, and Melissa was the one that pulled me inside and said, Hey, I know you're trying to do the right thing, but you're going about it the wrong way. And you did it. I, I, I totally, I totally did not use those words, but I love You didn't, it. you did it now. I love that you use them now, but yes. <laughs> that is so funny. It's a true friend. Like that is a true friend that can, in a very stern and um, loving way, say, hey, there's a better way to re- really be an ally. So um, let's talk about that a little bit more. Do you want to, like, let's talk about what, 
you know, you and I were chatting briefly last night to around like the marathon and I was like, let's define what the marathon is. And you're like, well, yeah. let's let you. And I said, you know, let's talk about what the marathon, how to stay in the marathon. And you're like, no, let's talk about what actually the marathon is. So, so I think when we, we started with, um, so we'll talk about what the marathon is. When we started talking about, um, really this allyship and, and all the different things that people were doing initially, um, the way the marathon came up was, you know, as a metaphor, just to say that we have a bunch of people who are jumping into something that's ultimately a marathon, right? It's going to be a lifelong journey of, um, of education, of self-reflection, of learning, of hopefully interacting with different people who are going to make you uncomfortable, right? There's a lot of aspects and steps that go into this. Um, and people are essentially now running that without having trained, right? So they're running a marathon without having trained for it. So that was the concept around it, this idea that they're doing this thing that, and I think when we were talking about it, we were focusing on the, um, maybe the stressful taxing sides of a marathon too, right? Yeah. Uh, that you're going to be pushing yourself and working hard and doing this thing without, um, that's going to require a lot of willpower, right? Everybody who runs a marathon hits a wall at some point in time. I don't even know if I told you that I am a marathon runner. I think um, you were training for the marathon at the time. So it was oh, like you just there we go. That's yeah. probably how it came up. I was training yeah. for Ironman, so I was training for a triathlon, but I've run a couple marathons and you hit you, a lot of people hit a wall, right? Um, mm. But also realistically, I've also jumped into a marathon um, once without training. So I went to Wellesley College and it was along the marathon route and I jumped in. But the reality is the only reason I got through it was because there were people cheering me on the way. Um, along the way, there were like water breaks where I could replenish and mm -hmm. re-nourish. Um, when I hit the wall, I had people around me saying, smile and just push through and your body will do what it needs to do, right? Like there were a lot of, things along the way but also I had to take the first step I had to say I didn't train for this but I'm gonna jump in and run it and see what happens right and I felt like for me as we were talking about the black square movement right that was for for many people that first step of jumping in mm -hmm. um and for so many people to be like yeah but y'all ain't doing shit like it, it it's not getting us <laughs> That was not somebody's raising her hand. It's not getting us to the end goal. And it doesn't mean that it's it, it's enough, right? But also it we also need to just be realistic that not everybody's gonna be playing on the same level too. That's that's mm -hmm. my thought on it. So I think that was the the initial piece of the marathon. Um jumping into something that's that's work. Um and then in terms of the marathon now though, I think of it not just as, you know just this, but I think, you know, now we're several months past and we're still working really hard. Um, we've got the election on top of us, which, you know, as a black woman coming into this, I can tell you, I booked a flight to Mexico. I'm very privileged right after the election. And I was like, I don't know if we're coming back. My husband's Asian. He also, he's the one who actually said to me, Melissa, if this doesn't go the way uh, if Trump gets elected, let me just be real clear. Um, I, I want to move. So, which is crazy, right? So me as a, a children of immigrants, my family came here because they wanted me to have certain things. Now thinking about moving from the country that I, that we came to, like, it just seems like psychotic, right? So there's that, like, I'm like, I think a lot of people are holding their breath right now, waiting mm -hmm. for the results. Um, and then on top of it, like you have the emotional toil that people are going through because of COVID um, and the impacts that that may or may not have had on their family. Like some of us are here. I, I was fortunate enough to, to go home. Um, I needed to go home to help out. And I'm here. And, you know, for those who are watching, we're in my pretty pink office and everything's good. And while I feel it in a lot of different ways, like I've had all of my businesses impacted, um, not gonna lie, I did some therapy, lost a bunch of money, like got like $20,000, a lot of money. Um, there's like, I've got flights that are still not refunded. So I've got all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, I can still eat. I still have my pretty spaces. Um, I can do some self-care, right? But if I fly home where I'm from in Miami, 
my mom hasn't worked in months, you know, if she needs to eat, do certain things like those things are going on a credit card. Like this is, it's, it's a complete, you know, different universe. I was making, my mom is like, she's making fun of me. Cause I was like, Oh, one, one ply toilet paper. I don't know if I could handle this. And she's like, it's okay. Maybe I'll get you some two ply. Right. But like, it's, it's like an alternate universe. Um, and it was amazing to go home and be grounded in that and realize that I need to come here, get my mindset right and make a whole bunch of money so that I can fix that. But I also can do that. So it's, it's, um, I think so many of us are going through marathons in so many different ways beyond just life mm. that it's, it's like, it's a lot. Um, and I think the last thing I would say with that too, is even marriage, like, <laughs> uh, I'm married and the impacts of COVID that COVID had on my business, on our life, um, and other people like, thank God I love my husband and we're used to spending a lot of time with each other. We already work from home. Like, but that's a lot for some people. And even us being so good, we still have had to work through some things. So, um, that's now I think, as I think of the marathon, there's all of that. I'll pause, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking of as the marathon right now. You yeah. Know? It, it mm-hmm. feels like it's a, 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 instead of like a 42 mile marathon, is it 40 t- miles? I don't know. I, I know it in kilometers. It's 42 uh, kilometers. It feels okay. So now, now it's like a, uh, let's just say a hundred miles. It's an ultra marathon. It's an yeah. ultra marathon. Yeah, ultra. We've got definitely. the Ironman, right? We've got the Black Lives Matter movement advocating for that. Then we've got COVID. Then we've got we're saving our marriages, where some of us are putting our kids homeschooling. Like, there's so many different elements to it. But one of the things that really resonated with me about the marathon was that, like, it's about having your team around you right like you said you have your cheerleaders and things like that and for me when i when when i was being really vocal around george floyd and then tita and i decided to pick up our podcast again there were things that i was doing and saying that were really upsetting people and again <laughs> didn't do it right all all the time and melissa again was by my side saying hey 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 but um it was exhausting and it gave me a real insight into what black people have to live with every single day. And, and, and it was the people like the one or two people that would reach out and say, Hey, Tiffany, thank you so much for what you're doing. Or I saw your post and I get it now, or just like one person every other day was enough for me to keep going when I had other people saying, Hey, you need to keep your mouth shut and you don't know what you're saying and you're being offensive and, um, you know, losing thousands and thousands of followers on sister supper club and things like that. I didn't even care about that actually at all, because if you're a racist, I don't want you there at all. That's not sisterhood to me at all. But it was, it was those days where I was tired and I was frustrated and I was crying and I was like, what is humanity? Like those things that it was the team around me. Like it was those supporters that were, you know, so-called throwing me the drink bottle or cheering me on that made it worthwhile. And I do think, you know, when we're in this marathon, you got to have your team around you, but it's also a marathon is a solo race. You're up against yourself. Yeah. And I think that's, that was what's interesting. So for someone who connects with so many people and creates communities, I often don't have a team. Um, and what I'll say about this, and, and I just, I love talking about that because it just happens so many times where I go, I go to leadership events and, you know, people are giving advice and they're like, you got to rely on your team. Mm. And you have to like reach out to people who are going to mentor you and all that stuff. And I found, and I don't know if this is a black girl thing, um, but as a black woman, I found that I often don't have that. I often have a lot of people staring at me saying, Melissa, you're great. You're insightful. You have wisdom. You are strong. I don't need to compliment you. I don't need to help you. I don't need to tell you anything. I don't need to support you. And so I find myself, ironically, the person who supports so many people alone most of the time. Mm. Um, So I just want to be really real about that. Um, And just for people who are watching this, who are like, shit, I don't have a team. Like, how do I deal with it? Um, Things that I've, I've learned 
um, and I've, I've worked on. So, and this is through my entrepreneurship, but it's also been through managing all of this. One, and it sounds really horrible, but you can pay for teams or join in teams that exist. Uh, so uh, I invested quite a bit in um, a community of entrepreneurs and it's really about just sticking to your goals and, and mindsets and things like that. Um, I've also, um, you know, for political stuff, I feel great. I wanted to make an impact. So I've been feeling great. I've been making calls, uh, for Biden, but mm. I joined a dance and dial. So it looked like something I would set up myself and it's like a little community and people, um, we're just calling, like we're making calls. It's the phone bank essentially. And then they do a little dance on zoom afterwards. Um, and I had a great conversation with one of the gentlemen who is calling to spam me today. Um, ironically, who said like, Hey, Melissa, I saw you and thank you so much for your support. And I can tell you that that's a stranger, but you know, it's still something it's like the little things. So I don't look for um, a team anymore. And I don't even hope for it because I personally have been disappointed time and time again. Um, and I think on top of it, what I found is I had a very interesting and different upbringing as a black woman um, with not being as exposed to, let's say, black culture, black American culture, certainly. And even um, my mom's Jamaican, my dad's Haitian, they were so busy raising me as an American that I was uh, a little bit you know, disconnected. Um, I also grew up traveling. So I've lived in 12 different host families um, all over the world. So I have a very different viewpoint on things and I don't quite fit in. So what I mean by that to say that is I don't have as many black female friends and mentors and that. So you might think that it's easy, but what I'm finding more and more as I'm talking to people is I got a lot of young black women out there who don't have anyone um, and, and also young white women. And, and FYI, um, I have no problem with my age. I'm very proud of it. So I'm a 30, am I 30? And I, but I don't know it. So I'm either 34 or 35 right now. But to be clear, I could do some quick math. Um, <laughs> what year is this? Oh yes, I'm 35. Okay, so I'm 35. But just so when I'm saying young, I still mean like my 30s, 40s, 50s, like there are people out there. So um, coming back to the marathon, the other piece though, right, is that the positive side of this is that even though that marathon is taxing, it's, it's when you walk, when you go into a marathon, you set a goal and it's to do this awesome freaking thing and finish it and achieve this goal, right? So that's the positive side. And I think when we start from a mindset perspective, thinking of it that way, and taking on the work, uh, whether it's the anti-racism work, whether it's the work that we're doing on ourselves for our personal goals, whether it's keeping ourselves positive without a team, when we start thinking of, hey, I'm running this marathon and it's gonna be killer. I'm gonna kick butt, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna train for it. If I'm having a hard time, I'm not gonna quit, I'm just gonna run the 5K first, right? Then I think it takes on a whole other dynamic. And so that's the transition that I've gone through since we talked initially, Tiffany, of, you know, thinking of it as a marathon, but really thinking about what a marathon is. It's usually this awesome big goal that somebody commits to, uh, trains for and kills and loves it, you know? Yeah. Tita, can you relate to like, you, you both have different experiences and, and different backgrounds, obviously, but Tita, can you relate to being like the, the solo black woman, because you have some beautiful sisters in your life. Oh, you're muted. So mute. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Is that the, that's the quote of the year, right? You're muted. <laughs> 2020's quote, you're muted. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So yes, I do have some beautiful black sisters in my life, but they came later in my life. So I'm in my forties okay. and so they came in my forties. Like, yes, I had one or two like really good black girlfriends uh, prior to my forties. Um, but they were later, they were probably mid thirties. Uh, um, but I think that's also unique being raised in Seattle, you know, being raised in Seattle and then being raised in Edmonds, which is a, uh, um, nice. Yeah, very white suburban outside of Seattle, but Seattle is already white anyway. So um, I actually probably didn't, I didn't connect more with more black sisters um, until I moved here to Orlando. 
Mm. So that's when um, I connect it more with, um, we're just brown people in general. There's more brown people here, not necessarily just black, but you know, there's Islanders and there's um, uh, Latinos and Puerto Ricans. So there's just more brown folks in Orlando, period. So, um, so yeah, so that's my experience as far as um, fitting in. I think I've gotten to a point where I don't care anymore <laughs> when folks say, you know, I don't care anymore. I'm, you know, I, I'm Tita and um, I know I'm black and yeah, I know I have different mannerisms um, being a product of my environment, but I think that's where we have to get away from. I think like, um, you know, like Melissa is saying, the, we, we want to have great relationships, right? And, and I, I like teens. I mean, I like, I like having people in my life, but I think what happens is you get tired of having to feel like you have to be a certain way to fit mm -hmm. in. And I think if we can get better at just accepting who each person is and what they bring to the table um, and not have project, I think what happens is we all, people project more than not. Mm -hmm. So when you project, it's because there's something internal going on with you, right? And so there's something internal going with you. So then, because you have these high expectations of yourself, maybe, or maybe you have something that you feel like you should be, and whether it's some stories that was told to you later, I mean, earlier in life or whatnot, but all this projection comes out. And I think that's why folks can't really integrate and can't really relate. And then, so like Melissa, then some people are like, you know what, I don't need a team then, you know, I think I can just go ahead and move forward, you know, doing what I need to do for my marathon so that I can get to where I want to get to. And I get that element of it. I also think it's just beautiful too, if you can have folks that you can also do the marathon with. But one thing you did say, Melissa, that I um, agree with, um, I was interviewed, I was, I'm in this one book, I have, I'm in this chapter of this one book called Friendship Flow from Sherry Lead, and she's doing a trilogy, and so she's doing another book, and it's about what your mess, basically what your um, messages, what's your message from your mess, right? So we all have messes, <laughs> and so what is the message that came out of your mess? And the thing that I was saying to her is great people, um, Great people do best. Wait, how did I put it? I said it. I, I can't remember. I quoted it, but it was like, um, great people do excellent with little things. That's not even what it is. I have to find the <laughs> quote, but it was, it was really, I have to find it because I have to be able to tell you guys. But my point is, it's what you do with those little things mm. that matter most, right? Mm. And so great people do you know, excellent things with little things. So it's not about the limelight. It's not about who, um, what's happening when the lights are on, or it's not about when there's a crowd. It's when none of that is even presented that folks are making a difference in the marathon, whether it's dismantling racism, whether it's dismantling poverty, whatever the case may be, it's when you taking those little things and creating momentum with those little things in the marathon, that's actually going to be profound and be um, the greater good for all. So mm. that's why, I, that's why I think a marathon is um, profound. You know, I think instead of thinking of something that's just going to happen overnight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, just to be clear, I'm not saying don't right. teams are lovely, wonderful. If you can have them, I'm just saying, okay. don't feel bad. If you're sitting here, don't be that person who's like, what's wrong with me? Because I don't have people in my corner cheering me on. I don't have that. A lot right. of people are in that position. And right. uh, Tika, to say what you're saying that you, you found those people in your thirties, I'm starting to find them now. Right. Um, but again, I'm 35 and for a long time, I would go to these events and sometimes I was the only black woman at these events. And these people are like, well, yeah, just call up your peers who are also in whatever industry and it's gonna be fine. You can talk to them and I'm just sitting here like, 
I don't have those peers. Like mm. when I went to, I went to MIT for business school. I was like one of four African-American people there, period. Mm. Like, and only mm. another, one other one was a woman. So like, it's, it's not the same. Um, mm. And I think it's mm -hmm. something that people fail to realize. And it's, and I hear it all the time where people are like, you're the first person who's said certain like compliments to me. You're the first person who's helped me. You're the first person. Mm -hmm. And I'm usually someone they're either paying for or they've gone to a vet for. So it's not even like it's just happening. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it comes back to what you're saying about when you choose to be your authentic self, it comes with a lot of judgment. And if you're one of those people who's choosing to be their authentic self every day, whether it's you putting out your messages, Tiffany, about um, what you feel about this, you know, this movement, or mm -hmm. you just kind of trying to do your hustle, right? You're not going to be easily, you're going to be met with resistance because you're doing something mm -hmm. that's different. Yes. That's just what hey, that. Yes, that's absolutely true. And I feel like that's happened. I'm seeing that even with me in my journey right now. You know, you can tell the shifts of how people respond to you. But that makes me know that I'm actually really stepping into my authentic purpose and being in my lane, right? Being better than normal and, and, and walking in that fear, walking in whatever that fear is, is actually being courageous, right? And, and not, and being uncomfortable, being comfortable with being uncomfortable because I only have one opportunity and I'm done wasting it on other people's projections or fears or ideology of me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think what's interesting though, and that kind of comes up to something that we were talking about too, right? If somebody's going to meet you Tita and be like, Oh, well, guess what? You're different. So now that I've met you, you're a different type of black girl and you don't like <laughs> black people. So even if I had this, like, if, even if I have all of my racism stuff, that's still valid because you're a different type of person. And therefore all the things that I've learned from you do not, do not actually matter. And they don't count towards changing my perception in any way. So that's like one of the conversations we were having, Tiffany, which is mm -hmm. like, we were looking at the data. Um, there was a census done and I, I totally don't have it handy about how many black people, white people actually know. And so this is going to go both ways. And that's one of the things we were talking about. And the fact that like a lot of people don't have black friends, a lot of white people do not have black friends. They have like one black friend yeah. and that'll be like the one black friend that's shared between all the people in their family. Um, and it sounds crazy, right? <laughs> but, but there's actual data that shows that but people don't have a lot of uh, friends in different races and mm -hmm. different cultures, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure it gets real crazy when you start like adding in like socioeconomic background. Mm. Like that. So even the ones that are in your race are probably going to be more like you depending on, you know, where they came from. So, True. you know, knowing that and like having that in mind, I think is very relevant as we work this program, like, or sorry, this this movement and, and what we're trying to get to, I'm already making a program. You've got to be real with the fact that you're asking a bunch of people to again, run this marathon mm. who don't actually get the opportunity to interact with black people and different black people on a daily basis. The amount of different white people I meet on a daily basis versus the amount of different black people, Tiffany, you're a horrible example, but someone like <laughs> Tiffany is going to meet is not going to be the same. So then and that's because of choice and privilege too. That's part, that is because, because of, you can, uh, some of them, the white people can have a choice and privilege not to interact with and blacks. Black Right? And right. black people. It goes both ways. We get the choice and privilege to walk into white spaces, a lot of us, and we're just like, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so this is where this is where this is where in the problem lies in my mind, right? We don't have that um, let's call it immersion as someone I grew up, like I said, oh no. Oh no. What happened? What happened? Oh, we saw okay. you a light we went off. Yeah, we can still see you. We can still see you. Y'all disappeared uh, from my oh. screen completely, and I was like, "Oh no, did it cut off?" No, uh, wait, you're here. You're here. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so, uh, as you know, I grew up traveling and 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 living mm -hmm. in different cultures. So mm -hmm. for me, I had immersion with different types of people um, mm -hmm. from different cultures, and I feel like that's what's missing 
we don't get that. Like when I was in Miami, I was the only black kid in my AP classes of a bunch of white kids and like one Asian person. I got some immersion, right? But other people don't have that. Um, even I have my black friends, they go to primary black schools, they don't interact, they don't maybe feel comfortable in some of the spaces, understandably so, but it is actually a choice on both sides these days, um, even though I do think, you know, the privilege skews in one way versus the other, but we both have choices, I understand why people aren't making some of those choices. But the issue that 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 to me is the big issue, this lack of kind of cross cultural cross race immersion that gets you to a place where when you do meet somebody that is supposed to crush these stereotypes that you've formed over years and years and years, you're like, oh, they're just different. It's like, oh, Melissa, I don't know if you've heard this. Oh, the black girls, yada, yada. But you're not like them, Melissa. You're different. Has that ever, did that ever happen to you, Tito? Oh, yeah, all the time. Okay. However, all the time. Uh, but I have to back up for a second with um, yeah. something that you said about like, you know, I understand what you're meaning. Like there are more choices. Yes, we have progressed. Um, yet I, there's definitely some very intentionalized and systematic um, design racism that I do think it makes it very hard though for a black or a person of color to move forward to make some other choices. Like even last night when I was on this uh, call from this women business organization, NAVO, and they were having these conversations and they wanted me to be part of this HQ headquarters conversation. And I was talking about finance and I was talking about like black women business owners versus white women business owners and the ability to get certain capital or financing. Well, there's like this, these indicators with especially these blanket like financial institutions that have these indicators that you have to meet. Well, a lot of those indicators will not meet the black business owners because of just different systems that were designed throughout time that a lot of those individuals don't even have, didn't have access to certain, you know, X, Y, and Zs. So I only say that because I'm trying to make the choice to get the capital to do certain things, but I met with so much um, resistance because of certain things that were developed and designed to keep me down. Um, so I, I, I'm just saying, so like, there, there, yes, I know what you're saying. There's also times when we got to step into certain things and not get caught up in the mindset of like, mm, and yeah. when, I'm, when I'm talking about it, I'm talking about it more on a personal level, right? Like mm -hmm. real talk, like if you're going to join a volleyball team, because I'm not like weird. Systematic racism is real. Privilege right. is real. There are so many of these things that are 100% real, but I'm talking about being like, okay, there is a community center and my community has events. I'm going to be right. the black person who starts going to them so that the other five black people in my community can feel comfortable going to them too. And we can maybe talk to all the other white people in our neighborhood instead of only us talking and nobody actually attending that, right? Yes. Like yes. I get it and I get it. Cause when I go into them, then I'm like, oh, aha, uh -huh. now I've met the racist people and all the things I didn't want to know were real in Texas. So let me go back home. Like I get it, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got it. like I just yeah. feel like, um, the progress is going to happen when both sides like it has to it has to be both sides um and this is what sucks though because this is one of the things we were talking about um and i think the the metaphor here was like learning a language right so the burden it sucks but there is a part of this burden that does end up on black people because the reality yeah. is right like it's what tiffany was saying okay so we're not asking somebody to learn a new language right and they're speaking this language to us, but they're not learning it from the source and they're not interacting. Like, so the best way to learn a language is an immersion. And if you're not getting this immersion, you can, you can learn the language, you can read up in books, you can speak the language, but your accent's probably gonna be wrong. And you're probably gonna use the wrong words in the wrong context. And you're probably gonna mess it up until people, and sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this, until people like um, correct you, right? So we're here saying, Go learn this language, figure it out yourself, get yourself some books, do not come talk to me. I understand it is my native tongue, but you go do that shit yourself. And when you come back and you've learned it perfectly, come talk to me and if you mess up, I'm gonna tell you that you really screwed up 
and you need to go back to your hole, figure it out, and then come back to me again, and then yeah. we can talk. And maybe if I'm in a good mood, we can talk, but don't just come talk to me. Ask me before you talk to me. But wait, don't ask me because that's going to stress me out. I'm going through a lot of shit. But if I maybe happen to see that you need the help and come to you, then we can talk. That's what I feel like the discussion is, if I really translate it. And I get it because I'm that Black girl that everybody wants to talk to you about racism. And I'm like, y'all can't come do that. But at the same time, I realized that if I'm not going to be open and available, and if I'm not going to take on some of that burden, it's going to take way longer. And when people learn, it's not going to be quite right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think there's different levels of burdens, right? Oh, yeah. I think that type of burden is, I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast with Tiffany, yeah. right? I'm doing it every week. <laughs> I'm doing it every week, right? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, okay, why? No. But... Because I know it's those little things, and I'm like, this is a little thing that I know that is making a difference. Um, we do get lots of information, or I guess people who like to talk to us behind the scenes that our podcast is really helping. So that's why I'm in it for the marathon. Even times when you know I feel like, gosh, are we going backwards? Just with everything in life. But you're right. I there has to be a level of us taking on some burden. Because there are just some white people who, like you said, I, Tiffany, I say this to Tiffany all the time, who've been bamboozled themselves. I'm going to write a book about being bamboozled. Who've been bamboozled themselves because they've been born and raised in this environment that just show that, you know, their race is the one that excels and, and is a superior. So they, they, they have no idea really about, well, what other cultures can bring to the table and how actually being able to integrate and interact with that culture makes their life so much more rich and they can thrive so much more. But because they since childhood had this only one system way of thinking, they got bamboozled. And then once they, some of them like Aaron, once they really get to understand Mm. the other cultures and interact, they're like, well, dang I, wow you know they, they're just like wow i was suppressed to not even have the opportunity to get to know all these yes. other rich cultures and races so so but so yeah so we do have to kind of help a little bit help. but not but don't stand on my shoulders no and leverage and- what i've done to Help you climb higher. And the help shouldn't be expected, right? The help shouldn't be expected. It should hopefully Mm -hmm. happen because people are feeling compelled, right? And they're seeing you make the effort, but it shouldn't be expected. And to be clear, I am not saying that any of that excuses any behavior, particularly in a society where we do have, you know, internet access, like books and libraries and all these things. And especially now with so many damn social media posts, it doesn't excuse (laughs) anything. It doesn't excuse the behavior. It doesn't excuse the lack of self-education, but there is a difference between ignorance Mm -hmm. um, and racism. And there are so, but there are also a lot of people who are ignorant and as a result, they become racist. So this is where it gets really tricky. Um, My fun personal story, I don't know if we have time for this about this, is what I went to, um, I see you nodding your head, Tiff. When I went to China, uh, I was teaching English. This is when I was 14. So 1990-some, like 1994-ish, I don't know. And I got there and people had never seen black person before. Um, And there were no black people, you know, there were not really TV and media over there. And so they would walk up to me, freak out, grab my hair, look at my face. Um, I had people trying to, they thought I was dirty. So they were trying to like wipe off my skin. Um, they called me black ghost, uh, like a lot of things. It was a little crazy. Um, I had people, <laughs> I had people try to figure out what was going on with my butt. If I put something in there and they pressed <laughs> in on me, it was a level of like, what exactly right and so but i've been to countries like i've been to other places too where things like this have happened and um i was teaching english there and we the the black person they do know is like michael jordan and we did a um like 20 questions and the thing they said was is he a nigger and i'm like oh my god 
we got 14 year olds, they're already racist, right? Like that's what people would think. And, but the reality is, is that's the only word he had learned and he learned it from like watching a movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it was important for me to be there as a black person, be able to tell them, this is the problem with that word. This is why we don't use it, you know, to educate. But also mm-hmm. I was the first black person these people had ever met, okay? And again, this is another burden you might be the first black person somebody's ever meeting. So you're now becoming like, you're the representative for all black people. And it just sucks, but this is a real burden. I never took it on as a, it was never a, it never felt like a burden for me because when I was, you're gonna like, when I was eight years old, um, I was going to Martinique and my mom told me that I had to stop sucking my thumb. And she told me, you have to stop sucking your thumb because if you suck your thumb, they will think that all black American girls suck their thumb. That's how, that's my mom manipulating me to stop sucking my thumb. But she, when she said that, it stuck in my head, okay? And this is me as a kid going to Martinique to stay with a black family. But she was like, they're gonna think that all black American girls suck their thumb at your age. So you gotta, you gotta represent America. You're the first American girl that they're going to meet. So that has been how I have always just perceived myself as a foreigner abroad. And it became very clear to me that I was the first black person that any of these Chinese people were ever meeting. And their perceptions of black people were going to be determined in part by me and what the few things that they had seen on the media. Um, I don't want to go crazy with the story, but like when I was there, they wouldn't actually give me a job at first. So first time I taught English through connections, second time they were like, we can't hire you because we don't know if your accent is right, because you're black, and so you're gonna talk a certain way, and we don't want our kids to learn English in that way, okay? Mm -hmm. Start start listening to this, right? But after a few months there, they were like, wow, because ironically, they were hiring a lot of white people, but they were like Germans and like non-American, like people who actually didn't speak English. And so after a few months, they were like, wow, black people work so hard. We wanna just keep hiring black people. Now again, this is ridiculous, but, but it makes the point that like, I was able to change a perception of a whole group of people because I was the first person they met. And so while this is like super easy to understand because I'm in China in like 1904 where the country's not even open and da da I think this is like the reality that a lot of people are actually going through in the States. And we just don't realize it because we thought we were so much more, we thought we were so further past that. Um, again, I think in the States we have access to media. We have so many things. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't kind of negate like the wrong, but it's something to understand. And I think it's something to understand from both sides because, you know, your black friends are probably now, <laughs> they have this added weight on them. I don't know if you feel that way, Tita, but that, that's what. Girl, <laughs> you were talking about the whole Asian thing, all I, all I, <laughs> it reminded me of Edmonds because we were the first like black family. And when you're saying like your mom said, don't suck your thumb, that whole pressure ish, like, because that's how they're going to see, but girl, that 10,000 times on what I was told every day and mm-hmm. being the only black family in Edmonds, like it was so much pressure and stress that it manifested so much later in my life. But um, and, but the whole fact, like if none of them had seen, you know, black people before, I know some of those Edmonds people didn't have interactions with black people before. Cause it was almost like a generational thing. Like they, they, they the parents and then the grandparents and the other kids, and they just kind of stay in that city. And speaking of a real funny story is because I babysat a lot. And now I look back, I think I was like considered the help, but anyways, I made money. So whatever. I babysat a lot, and I remember this one uh, kid. I knew we knew their neighbors before they even had their first child, and she was probably about almost two. So she knew me from when she was an infant, right? So she seen the color of my skin, and then as she got but older, she probably only used to seeing me as a black person. That I guess her mom had told me one time they were at the grocery store, and there was a black. They happened to see a black lady. <laughs> And she was take Tita, Tita, running up and like she's like, no, that's not Tita. But 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 you know, but then I that makes you think like, okay, well, huh? So she sees all these different white people, right? Adults, 
that they interact with. So she doesn't run up to them to be like, oh, that's Tiffany and that's a Tiffany and that's a Tiffany. So it is interesting, even at such a young age, that yeah. if you're not around different cultures and races, then I guess you still only, if you just, yeah. if you're only introduced to one, that you're going to think every time you see that one, that they're going to be that person. So yeah. it's interesting that you, when you said that, it just made me think about that story. So the young age, the young age thing <laughs> is real. Um, quick story. I, uh, back in my, my young days, I was dating a French guy and uh, we were in France and I was in an apartment and a little baby. And I say this kid is probably, I don't know. And, and this happened to me multiple times in France, unfortunately, but this is a little baby. She's like two years old and she runs in and she's like, Mama, la bonne, which means like, oh, the maid. And she comes and asks me for things. And I'm like sitting here like, how is a two year old already? Like, like every black person is a maid. Um, and this, this happened to me, same thing. And by the way, like I, this happened to me at 15, but it was an older woman. She walked up and she's like, oh, you must be the maid. Here's my kid. And I was a kid at somebody's house going to play with kids like there were other kids there and i'm like i'm i'm like nope i'm not the main and they're like she's like is there different apartments here and i'm like nope not different apartments here she's like then what are you doing here and i told her i'm i'm an american uh kid and she's like oh my god you're american i'm sorry i thought you were african and like wow and so i'm yeah. just kind of like it it happens everywhere everywhere it's, it's insane how like you see it produced with a two-year-old and then like the older woman and it just keeps getting passed down so um I, I don't know if that makes gives anyone any solace that I've been discriminated against all over the world but <laughs> <laughs> like well it shows you know, a pattern it shows a pattern it's a pattern and it's a pattern that is related to I think a lack of exposure and people just kind of cementing in their minds that this this first version of person that you saw is the way these type of people are mm -hmm. and media oh my god media yes and, me and so media it goes everywhere so that pattern just intensifies everywhere without any any understanding right so yep. and and I just want to just as a highlight to white people that are watching this like <laughs> put, put yourself like when has that ever happened to you never <laughs> never now if if you're saying to yourself oh but when i went to vietnam because this happened to me when i went to vietnam when i went to africa like when i went to those you know um developing countries as a white person yes my hair got pulled and my white skin was laughed at and, and whatever but it's not the same so don't compare apples with apples so i just want to bring that out to any white folk that are listening that are going wow number one i've never been called the help ever right really recognize living with that never having that experience and then watch yourself if you start to go but oh when i traveled to asia once they saw me differently not the same yeah not yes the same. Thank, thank you for saying that um it's not the same and, and maybe if you had the same experience i just want to go one level deeper in italy i was almost raped because they felt that i looked like a brazilian or a prostitute so someone tried to rape me and then the, in a restaurant and nothing was done about it um in russia i have got this lovely cigarette burn uh from someone who came up and burnt me with the cigarette um oh they almost arrested me in azerbaijan and the darker skinned girls did get arrested so i just want to be clear that i'm talking about the light stuff but there's some really deep dark stuff and um and so yeah maybe you did get like hair molested uh, or someone wanted to take pictures with you but there is a whole other deeper level when you have mm -hmm. black skin yeah so mm -hmm. it is not the same um, because mm -hmm. you're probably not there fearing for your safety in the same ways mm -hmm. that that people do um, but just to say I was trying to keep it light but yes thank you for pointing oh, we don't out. keep it light yes. on this podcast no we go we all, no. we go all that, the different that, shades that, of dark no, here all the no, different no, no, no. There are levels and when you're black, you get to experience all the levels. It's, it's, yeah. but it, it's a beautiful thing in some ways, right? I think um, 
the one thing I'll say about this particular marathon that has been special to me, I think because I had so many experiences early in life and because I've been abroad and, and, and stuff like that, with the racism in the U.S. that's almost more passive, um, I just kind of like took it in and kept going. Like I didn't necessarily sit down and process because it was the only way I could keep going through my marathon. Mm. And um, with everything that happened recently, it was like I had like a breakdown <laughs> where I was remembering all of these stories from mm. the past that I didn't take the, the, the time to stop. I see you shaking your head to stop and process. And I was like, oh my God, I had to go to therapy. Um, and I've been doing a lot of like self-help things. I even took a break from my work to, to really just give it a moment um, because in, sometimes in order to excel as a black person you literally just have to suppress all that shit and and keep going and, and it's funny because before you know they'd be like well therapy's for white people and you don't <laughs> have time you don't have time to take a break you got a family that's still struggling that you got to help out you got shit to do and you've got to work 10 times harder than everybody else to do it so i think there's that kind of mindset i get really happy when i see like carefree black young kids doing whatever the hell they want and taking care of themselves because I don't think we had as much of that um, and as much exposure to that growing up, right? Um, as like a 30-something-year-old, as like a, maybe a 20-year-old has now, right? Um, the permission, I don't think we had that in the same way. Mm -hmm. So, but just to say like, I think because I kind of had a lot more experiences, I developed the willpower and the stamina to keep up with racist bullshit and to also like the habit of just storing it um and this experience for me has brought all that out in a deep and powerful and meaningful way now but also in a very painful way mm -hmm. and what i think a lot of white people don't realize is you got a lot of freaking black people going through that uh and and dealing with a lot of these emotions that they weren't dealing with um and so when you layer on top of that then trying to help the movement it's a lot mm -hmm. yeah yeah well, and that's why as a um, whole, the black culture and race tends to have way more medical help challenges and issues, you know, uh, whether it's high blood pressure, you know, stroke, um, all sorts of other health <laughs> elements because they are holding in so much. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, so. and I also want to say on that, because we go every shade of light to dark here, what I notice about the black culture because of the suppression and the repression and everything that the culture continues to go through, your culture continues to go through, the level of pride that's just in you, ingrained in you, like there's a depth of spirit there that I, I just don't think white people have and will never have and i and i and i see it time and time again i see it when i watch historic based movies of the way that black people come together and support one another through song through fellowship through spirituality like there's just a level there that creates a a, a strength within the black culture that is nothing like i've ever seen before yeah. Mm -hmm. I won't comment on that. Thank you for that. But what I will say is <laughs> I do think there is a, there is definitely right. Willpower is a muscle. Mm -hmm. You, it's a muscle. It's like a muscle. So um, when you go through experiences and you overcome them and you go through them, you develop more and more willpower and more and more strength. It's kind mm -hmm. of this idea of like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's mm -hmm. kind of true. It also might make you bitter, but that's okay. We can talk about that on another call. Um, and so I do think that, you know, the, because I chose to not like break down and to actually go get the help that I, I needed and to find kind of therapy and help through, throughout this time, the amount of work that I've done um, and the amount of growth I've seen in myself personally, I thought I was like at a certain level of authenticity. I'm like, I'm like, I'm on another level now. And I, I see that as something great and wonderful. Um, I see people like you creating these forums, right? Um, like you two, where you can come up and talk and tell your stories. And I do think that's amazing and powerful. And I think that it's not bad to lean into that as a black person. Um, I also want to caution though, the white people 
who I've, I've gotten many posts um, and seen people say things. People tend to be quite nice to me. I think they don't want to deal with my response, but I've seen them like respond to other people saying like, well, even though you went through racism, it seems like you did so well. So you don't have any problems. It seems like it just made you stronger. Um, I've seen that too. So I just want to be clear, like these things, while I think, you know, as a black person, we can lean into them and try to find the good in the silver lining and the horrible. <laughs> I think also like, um, it's unfortunate that you have so many people around suggesting that because you are carrying this load burden and still excelling, that somehow this is like helpful to you. Mm-hmm. Totally received that. Thank you for sharing. So mm-hmm. on that, like, I feel like we could talk for hours and Melissa, I'm sure we'll get you back on yeah. um, our podcast again because you just, I love your perspective always. Go ahead, Tita, mm-hmm. what were you going to say? No, and I think it'd be good to have a episode on black mental, um, mental wealth, right? Because um, alluding to what she said earlier, I think some of it has just been, um, is like, it's just not talk about, you know, and, or what I know is like, oh, well, your ancestors went through this, so you should be able to handle that. But the difference is, yes, our ancestors went through a lot, but they also had more solid ground community mm-hmm. in a way, even though they were slaves they still had each other at the end of the day, right? They were all able to be together and they all able to like, to have that strength. Whereas as time went on, we already know what was happening. You know, the system started getting designed to break that strength, to break that community. So that's the difference I believe too. Whereas they were able to get through certain things. Whereas later on specifically purpose systems were in place to, weaken the link so there's different layers and (laughs) yeah and And, yeah so i think we could have a total another conversation on you can have some a conversation i still still have a ton of notes here (laughs) that we haven't even touched on yet so if when melissa's ready we will love to have you back on because yeah again whenever whenever you're ready we can keep chatting i think this is I think this is such a, like I said, relevant and needed forum. I love the work that y'all are doing and the fact that you've taken this up. It's not easy. Um, so thank you uh, because yeah, it's, it's not easy and it's not that simple. And having someone, you know, and two people coming together and actually saying, let's talk about this. I think it's really powerful and I hope, um, or sorry, it is really powerful. And I just, Hope that we can give you the energy that y'all need to keep it going. And I feel very honored that you took the time to invite me. And I'd love to come back anytime you want to talk about anything. I'm an open book. Oh my Yay. gosh, you are. You just you just offer so much, just so much insight, and you always have like a real um, a diff. I'm not going to say difference, but unique. Uh, perspective on everything like there's, mm-hmm. there's a, you just have a unique way of looking at things that I love and that's why mm-hmm. again you know it, there's been example after example after this so you bring so much light <laughs> in every way perspective mm-hmm. to the conversation and this is what our conversations are about is like it's not like one-sided it's not Tiffany knows this mm-hmm. and Tita knows this mm-hmm. this is why we bring people because I don't know I'm still always continuing to learn and want to learn and get it wrong. And Tita has her, yeah. And Tita has her own, you know, lens and you have your lens and different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I think for white people too, there's so many assumptions and presumptions and the more um, people that we bring on from those different experiences and different backgrounds, they can see, Oh, they're not all the same and they don't all have the same opinions and they don't all think alike and they don't have Mm -hmm. the same experiences, you know? So, um, yeah, really important. It's hearing each other's stories. And to end on that note, I love this from Michelle Obama. There's power in allowing yourself to be known and heard and owning your unique story and using your authentic voice. And there's grace and being willing to know and hear others. This for me is how we become. Amen. Amen. So with that, you can find us at 
blackgirlwhitegirlconversations.com. And when you go to our site, you'll be able to either go to our YouTube channel where you can watch us, our beautiful faces, having these conversations, or you can also listen to us through Anchor, which will have iTunes, Spotify, and other um, ways that you can listen to us as well. Um, and Instagram, that's right. We have a black girl, a white girl, and you can receive other type of resources and information about dismantling racism and having conversations to make a difference every little step yes and melissa we will put um how they can connect with you in the show notes but in the meantime if anyone wants to connect with your marketing brilliance yes, or, or buy some of your amazing <laughs> hair flowers i know i need more yeah. i can't wait to wear them again i used to wear flowers all the time well if anyone wants to connect with me they can find me at, at curly executive so curly like hair executive like executive director um and you'll see all of my fabulous businesses on that channel so you can find me at, at curly executive fabulous they are just like her thank you melissa thank you so much thank you so much